Good morning. It's an awesome song. Power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. Oops, forgot some of my stuff, sorry. Whoops. Oh, I dropped my bag. You know, uh, Jesus breaks the chains that bind us. Some that we've just recently been bound with, some kind of sin. Some, as you see here, some old rusty ones that's been with us for a very long time. But Jesus can break every chain that binds us and hinders us and holds us back. He really can. And he really will. You know, we've been talking about his limitlessness and his limitless uh, power for some time. You know, last week we, we started talking a little bit about his name, the limitlessness of his name and what he can do. And I'd like to continue along that concept a little bit this morning. Uh, There's a lot of power in a name, isn't it? I mean, not just the name of Jesus. Have you ever noticed that names can have power with them? Business-wise, are there certain uh, names that generate more dollars and cents than others? Well, let me see here. You from here at this? Have you ever drank a Mountain Dew at 9 o'clock in the morning? <laughs> wow. <clears throat> now, do you think that Mountain Dew, the, the name Mountain Dew, it generates much money? How many of you here have ever drank a Mountain Dew before? Sure, it generates a lot of money just from our congregation alone. Mountain lightning. It looks just like it. Almost. They're the same. But this one here cost twice as much as that one. Oh, man. I ain't done yet either. You ever drink a Dr. Pepper? At 9 o'clock in the morning? Oh, whoa. <coughs> I'm resisting it right now. 
And here's the Dr. Thunder. That's the one that makes you burp. Oh, man. Why do you pay twice as much for this one when if you were blindfolded, you can't tell the difference? Why? The name. Now, lots of times, people, these other products are from Walmart, and they're piggybacking on a name that everybody knows, you know? So they're the same color. They try to make it as close looking as they can because there's, there's power in a name. I mean, that's just in the natural world in which we live. Well, that's enough of soda for this morning. Let me give us a little tiny review of last week. Just a little bit of tiny review. In John chapter 16, verse 23, you know that sugar stuff is kind of addicting, you know? Mm. It says, at that time, somewhat after the crucifixion and the resurrection, he says, at that time, you won't need to ask me for anything. The truth is, you can go directly to the Father and ask him, and he will grant your request. Why? Because you use my name. He says, you can go directly to the Father. When I was with you, and I've been here, you ask me, and I take care of your needs, but he says, after the crucifixion, when I give up my life, and I raise from the dead, and I ascend to be with the Father, he says, at that time, you won't need to ask me for anything. The truth is, you can go directly to the Father and ask him, and he will grant your request because you use my name. So it says, Jesus, I believe him and everything that he says. And, and we're not talking here about trying to overcome God's reluctance we're really talking about here God's awesome willingness to, to meet your needs. I mean, you're his creation, you're his children, and he sure wants to meet your needs. He surely does. Well, picking up in verse 24, Jesus says, you haven't done this before. Ask. Use in my name. And see, there's power in the name of Jesus. Limitless power. He says, ask, use in my name, and you will receive, and you will have abundant joy. And, and you know it as well as I do. When prayers are being answered, there's a lot more joy than when they're not being answered. And he says, you've not done this. Well, you know, because it went straight to Jesus. And he was talking to his disciples. He says, but now, ask, use in my name, and you will receive, and you will have abundant joy. So I, I want to encourage each of you, if you've not already a little time praying this morning get off somewhere where you can do this and maybe corporately with some others or maybe just by yourself and go to the father say I come to you father in the name of Jesus and, and, and he welcomes you right in and pray to him as if in, he's really paying attention pray to him as if in you really believe and expect him to answer anyhow it says in verse 27 here John 16 27 it says for the Father himself loves you dearly because you love me and believe that I came from God. And we do believe that Jesus came from the Father God, do we not? Absolutely. And then in Matthew 12, verse 21, it says, 
And his name, so Jesus, will be the hope of all the world. We understand this word hope means a confident expectation for the future. And his name will be the hope of all the world. There is no hope anywhere else. Even right now, what's going on in, in our world, there is hope in, in Jesus Christ. There is hope in him. And there's little hope to be found anywhere else. I believe with all my heart when you come to him in a personal way and you get to know him and you know how to use his name, I believe with all my heart, regardless of what's going on, that the best is yet to come. I really do believe that. The best is yet to come based upon everything I've studied in the scriptures. And, and that's thousands and thousands of hours. That the best is yet to come for you who really genuinely trust the name of Jesus. There's power, limitless power in the name of Jesus. Matthew 18, 20 says, for where two or three are gathered together, what does that say? In my name, I am there in the midst of them. Now, do we have at least two or three here? He's here. He's here in this room just as close as any time you've ever experienced God in your life. He says so. When you gather, and that's why we gather here, we don't gather under some political flag here when we come together. We, we come, not under some religious society, but we come and we gather in the name of Jesus Christ. And he's the one who can break every chain that has bound you. The old and the, the new ones that have been placed upon you. He says that I'm there in the midst. He really is. And it's, it's a simple process of acknowledging him helps us to recognize that he's there. If, if you sit in a room with somebody and you never acknowledge him, they'll <laughs> probably get up and leave eventually. You know, but we should start off every day. Lord, I just acknowledge that you are present with me. I acknowledge your love for me. I acknowledge that you're going to work everything together for good for me because I do love you and I'm called for your purpose. Acknowledge him. You know, have dialogue with him. Well, uh, I'd like us to look now at Exodus. Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. This is in the New King James Bible. And it says, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. It says you shall not do that. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. It's not some little insignificant deal when you take God's name in vain. It isn't. He says, you are guilty. He says, he's not going to hold you guiltless. That means you're guilty. There's consequences to taking the almighty God's name in vain. Let me read this to you out of the New Living Translation. It, it, it gives us a little bit different vantage point to understand it, maybe a little bit better. And it says, you must not, Exodus 20, verse 7, you must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Misuse it. Use it for something other than what it was intended for. How many of you know people who, who misuse God's name? They use it for a swear. 
or for an exclamation mark or, or whatever it is that are misusing it because you can hear his name every day. Go to the grocery store, go to the service station, go anywhere you want to, find somebody who has a little bit of a disappointment or something or another, and they'll be talking about God. Have y'all heard that? Absolutely. I've heard it right here in this building, you know, quite a few times, you know, talking to people, and they've just recently come to know Christ, and in expressing themselves, they've taken his name in vain, you know. They've misused his name. It was not gifted. Have you ever discovered and thought about it? It's like, how come no one ever says Buddha or something like that? You know what I'm saying? They're always going to take God's name, Jesus' name, in vain. That is an absolute direct attack from the enemy of our soul against our God. Every, everybody takes his name in vain, but, but they don't take some president or some historical figure's name in vain. Well, let me give it to you one more time out of the Message Bible. I really like the way this says it. And he says here in Exodus 20, verse 7, it says, No using the name of God, your God, in curses. So some people go, well, what does it mean, take it in vain? To misuse it. So he spells it out here for us. He said, no using the name of God, your God, in curses or silly banter. To, to use God's name in a curse or in silly banter, say, well, what is banter? Is teasing, mocking, joking, just chit-chat, you know? He says, no, using the name of God, your God, in curses or silly banter. God won't put up with the irreverent use of his name. And we know that it's used irreverently a lot of times, do we not? And see, this right here that we're reading here in Exodus chapter 20, verse 7, <coughs> excuse me, this is the third commandment that tells us not to use God's name lightly. Don't use God's name casually. It's what he's telling us here. Don't use his name irreverently, is what he's saying, in a, in a curse or a jest or in some kind of a joke. But we are to honor God. We're to honor the name of God with our words and with our lifestyle. That's what we're put here, to bring honor and glory to his name. And I'm telling you, there is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. You need to understand that Jesus created everything. He created the earth. He created the rocks, the mountains, and the lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. He created it all. And can you imagine taking his name so casually or in some kind of a swear? Now, how would you feel if someone took your mother's name as a swear or used it in jest or as a joke. And then every time they had opportunity to go, yo mama, well, somebody did that to me. And I'm a pastor, but I'm a human being first. I would probably lay hands on them to help stop their bleeding nose. <laughs> what I'm saying, if you love somebody, it should affect us when someone uses their name in such an abusive way. And I'm, please, don't go punch somebody, okay? I was just trying to get the point across here. 
But see, we love God because he's done so much for us. And how is it the devil has stirred people up, and even Christian people, to use God's name in vain? And God says, he does not hold you guiltless. You're guilty. And that means there needs to be a repentance. Repentance means change your direction. Ask God to forgive you, and he will. He'll forgive you and have no record of it. But you cannot continue to take his name and misuse his name and abuse his name and think it doesn't have some bad consequences in your life because it does. I'm talking about there's awesome, wonderful power <coughs> in his name. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but a lot of people, instead of saying, wow, I hear it right here. You know, if young folks hear it all, all the time. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Something happened. They got a present. Something bad happened. They made an A on the test. Oh, my God. They made an F on the test. Oh, my God. I hear it all the time. You ever heard that term? They have no clue that they're talking about God. There's no clue that they're talking about God. You know, how would you feel if they was using your name like that all the time? They get an F on their test. Best run! <laughs> you know? How would you feel? You know, how do you think God feels? Do you think that's taking God's name lightly? I think it is. You know? It really, honest to goodnessly, is. Are you familiar with what a, a euphemism is? Euphemism. You ever hear the word people, you know, gosh! The word gosh, and even like Gomer Pyle, golly, you know? And geez, or gee whiz, or something. Look it up in the dictionary for yourself. And you'll find it says, gosh, golly, geez, are all euphemisms. Gosh, golly, and geez is a mild oath. It's a mild swear. It is substituting one word for another because the other one is not appropriate. We often use uh, euphemisms every day, probably. Instead of saying, I'm going to go and sit on the commode, so I said, I'm going to the restroom. Right? Now, I mean, sometimes euphemisms are pretty cool, and it's probably best to use that if you have an imagination that visualizes words, you know. But when you say gosh, or gosh darn, the G and the D is exactly that, G-D, and it is a euphemism, and it is a mild swear. I mean, it's a swear, is what it is. And we think, well, you know, that ain't that big of a do. Really? Well, I think it is, you know. It's a careless misuse of God's name. Flippant. That absolutely shows no respect. There is limitless power in the name of Jesus. And I'm telling you, the chains of sin that keep you out of heaven, Jesus can break every chain. And he delights to break every chain. You know, uh, on Memorial Day, <clears throat> it's very evident, you know, who respects our nation and who doesn't. 
to go to a parade of some kind, or you have the startup of a ball game or something, and they sing the anthem, and they raise the flag, and you'll see some that will stand to their feet, and you'll see some that will salute, and you'll see others who will just salute by placing their hand upon their heart, showing respect. And you'll see others who will not stand. And you'll see others who put their hands in their pocket during those times. And they'll keep chatting with their friends. See, it's very easy to see the lack of respect or, or the demonstration of respect. And you see that with God. And you think, well, that's just the way I talk, you know. Disrespectful. There's consequences that comes to your life because of your disrespect for the name of Almighty God, the one who loves you, who created you, loves you more than anything else. And that's just the way you are. Well, I think you need to change the way you are. I really do because we, we, we forget why the attack comes against that name. The name that has limitless power. See, in, in, in uh, the Jewish worshipers of years gone by, they didn't have coffee machines like we do today. So they had, what, what did they have instead? Scribes, and scribes would copy it. And when they came to the name of God, many, and history will tell you this, many of them would stop, they would go take a bath, they would change their clothes and get a new quill to write God's name. Can you imagine the passages that had God's name in it often? I'm telling you, that's what they would do because they had such a high respect for the name of God, they, 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 they deemed it should be holy, you know. Well, Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, it says, And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative. Do it in the name of, is what he's saying here. Do it as a representative in the name of the Lord Jesus. Whatever you do, whatever you say, is it honoring his name? Your words and your actions. Not in vain, not casually or lightly or with disrespect, you know, but are you honoring his name? Think about this for a moment. Is your conversation, when it comes, you know, to others watching, are you profane? Or, or do you demonstrate great respect? D do you disrespect God or do you respect him as far as others are concerned? You know, there's many names uh, in the Old Testament, you know, of God. And what this was, this is before we had the name of Jesus. You know, Christ had not yet come. And it describes uh, his nature and his attributes. We see it very clearly explained throughout the Old Testament. <clears throat> we know of Yahweh. Yahweh is immutable. It, it means unchanging. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Elohim uh, is talking about the Creator, Lord of Lords. El Shaddai, God Almighty. El Elyon, Sovereign Ruler. Jehovah Jireh. God will provide. Jehovah uh, Rophi, which God heals. Did you know that God's name means that he heals? Did you know that he still heals today? He does. 
we don't want to take that name in vain. We don't want to disrespect that name, Jehovah Shalom, God our peace. Jehovah Sabbath, the, the Lord of hosts, Jehovah uh, Shammah, God is present, the ever-present God. Jehovah Tisidkanu, God our righteousness. Jehovah Rohi, God our shepherd. You don't want to disrespect, you know, the attributes of God, who he is. You, you cannot fathom if every time you was around somebody, they were cursing your name, making jokes about your name, criticizing. You wouldn't like that. And I don't think God really likes it a whole lot either. But Philippians chapter 2, verse 7 says, He, Jesus, He gave up His divine privileges. He left His riches in glory. He, he set aside all of His divine attributes, the, the miraculous, powerful ones. He gave up His divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave, and he was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. That's why we celebrate Christmas. Here, Jesus, he existed before Christmas. He existed before the manger scene, you know. He, he, he chose to come and become a baby, a, a fetus in a womb, and, and be born naturally to demonstrate how you and I can live. And even when he began to do supernatural things, he was demonstrating not because of his divine attributes, but by the Holy Spirit coming into him, the same way the Holy Spirit can come into us and empower us, you see. And he goes on to say here in verse 8, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore God elevated, lifted up, God elevated him to the place of highest honor. There is no higher place. There, there's no honor that is higher than this place right here. God elevated him to the place of highest honor. Highest honor. And why would we disrespect and use in vain so lightly and casually the name that God has exalted and lifted up to the place of highest honor and gave him verse 9 the latter part of verse 9 and gave him the name above all other names there is no name as high as jesus christ there is no name that has power <clears throat> to transform a person's life like jesus christ there is none and then people go, gee. And it's just a, a vain taking of the King of kings and Lord of lords, his name, degrading it. It says in verse 10, well, here, let me back up. It says, verse 9, Therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven, and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Do, do you know that one day that will actually happen? The people who have rejected Christ and they have chosen to go to hell and Jesus basically said, you'll go to hell over my dead body 
And they said, well, I'll just walk across your dead body and I'll disrespect you and I don't need you in my life. And they, that's what they do. But one day, the demons and the devil, Satan himself, and all those who rejected God's love and forgiveness and mercy, one day, everybody, the devil himself and all the demons and all the Christians will do it with joy and delight and all the demons and devils and those who have rejected God will also do it with great regret. They'll say, Jesus Christ. Some with upturned face and smiling and hands extended and some with grimace and remorse on their face, you know. But they will all, every creature ever put on this earth will say, Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. On, in heaven, all the angels and those who have gone before us, all those who are still on this planet and those who are under, that's where hell is at, you know. It says everybody will say Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. That will happen because it's the, the name of highest honor. They will confess this with their mouth. Some will confess it way too late. Well, remember Jesus was teaching his disciples, and we're disciples, it trickles to us. He was teaching his disciples because they asked him. They said, well, John taught his disciples how to pray. Would you please teach us how to pray? You know? So in Matthew chapter 6, verse 7, it says here, when you pray, and this is Jesus talking to his disciples, he said, when you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. Don't do that. Babble on and on and on and on as people of other religions do. And he explains the babbling. He said they think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again and again and again. He says people of other religions other than true Christianity, they do that, thinking, well, if I say this so many times, God's going to do what I say. I mean, if your child does it, if they come and ask for a glass of water, well, if it touches your heart, they're thirsty, but if they go, I want a glass of water. And they say it like 10 million times. I know if I can say it a million and a half times, Mama will finally give me a glass of water. It's like, that doesn't work that way, does it? Sure doesn't work that way with God. And he says in verse 8, Jesus is talking, he says, don't be like those people who just ask words repetitively. Let me back up, verse 7. When you pray, don't babble on and on. As people of other religions do, they think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Jesus says in verse 8, don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. And then Jesus says, pray like this. Our who? Father. Remember, we just read it. Jesus says, after the resurrection, you go to who? the Father in my name, and he'll grant your request. And he says here, pray like this, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. Now see, we know it in the King James, hallowed be thy name, but well, let me say, I'm going to come out there and ask someone to explain to me what hallowed means. Some of you are going like, oh, please don't ask me. I can say it, but I don't know what hallowed means. And that happens. That's why you have to study. But here, I like this in the New Living Translation, where he says, pray like this, Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. Does your words and do, do, does your actions, does it hallow, bring honor to the name of God? <laughs> or, or, or do you take his name in vain? Anyhow, Jesus said, 
When you pray, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need. Forgive us our sins <clears throat> as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. And this all takes place when you go to the Father in the name of Jesus. He's teaching us how to pray here. And in the book of John, chapter 1, verse 10, it says he, talking about Jesus, it says he was in the world, and the world was made through him. Jesus created this whole planet and you and every eyelash on your eye and your vision and hearing and smell. and He created you. <clears throat> and it says here, he was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own, his own creation, and his own did not receive him. Didn't receive Christ. What did they do to him? Nailed him to a cross. But as many as received him, th those who did receive him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe, what? In his name. You, you, you've been given the right, the privilege of becoming a child of God because you receive him and you believe in his name. The name that is above every other name. The place of highest honor. The name, the power of his name, it breaks every chain. <clears throat> it, he deserves our greatest respect. He says, he gave you, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. That's where that term, being born of the Spirit, being born again, comes in. He alone can allow that to happen in our lives. Now, I'd like us to go to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 3, and we're going to read a little bit out of the book of Acts right here. And uh, I would really challenge you this coming week, if, if you would, on your weekly challenge, this is my challenge to you. I just asked you, and if you agree to it, check it off, drop it in the tie box. It says, I will start this week reading through the book of Acts. So if you want to do that along with the rest of the church, please do. <clears throat> but listen to what he says here in Acts chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. And as they approached the temple, a man lame from birth. I mean, he has never walked. Since the day he was born, he has never, ever taken one step. He's lame. There was something had gone wrong in his body, and he had never, ever walked. So verse 2 says, as they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate the one called the beautiful gate, so that he could beg from the people going into the temple. Because you know, the believers are going to be more generous than anybody else to help you. And it gave him something to do with his life. Somehow he could generate a little bit of resources and not just be dependent upon his mom and dad and family, but he would generate it through the kindness of, of believers, he would get a little something. So they would bring him there every day to beg. Is, is, is really doubtful 
that he had ever been inside the temple. He was outside the temple begging as people went in and as people came out. And he goes on to say, in verse 3, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. That's what beggars do. And Peter and John looked at him intently. And Peter said, look at us. Look at us. And the lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. Now, whatever happens after this verse right here, you need to understand it happened because this man expected something. That is key to you receiving anything from God is to expect. And that's what hope is, is to have a confident expectation, you see. And it says here, the lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, <clears throat> well, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. And he's expecting maybe a peanut butter jelly sandwich or something. Because people always didn't have money, but they might would bring him a meal or something. You know, a new pair of uh, mittens. Or, they probably didn't use mittens over there, did they? Maybe a new you know, cushion to sit on or something, people who were generous and compassionate. So it says here, Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Now this guy had never heard such a thing before. You need to understand that. People would ignore him. People would say, well, here's a little something. Or I don't have any money, but here I'll give you a piece of fish or a piece of bread or something like that. But he'd never heard such words ever. So Peter says, in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. And I'm telling you, there's power in that name to break every chain. He created everything that we enjoy, that we see and experience. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. <laughs> He'd never heard this. He wasn't quite sure what to, to make of it, but he still had expectation. Expectation, huh? What? what? Uh, so Peter kind of helped him out there in verse 7. It says, and Peter took the lame man by the right hand, and, and he, come on, and he helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. In the name of Jesus Christ the name that people often take lightly or misuse or abuse. In his name, this man's feet and ankles were healed and strengthened. Verse 8, he jumped up, wouldn't you? You never walked, and all of a sudden, it feels okay. I feel okay. Look at me here. He jumped up and stood on his feet, and he began to walk. Hear that. I mean, he didn't have to go through the whole stepping, you know, and falling and something like toddlers do. I mean, God not only healed him, but he gave him the ability how to walk. He jumped up and stood on his feet and he began to walk. And then walking and, let's try this, leaping and praising God, he went into the temple with them. Probably never been in before. But he went in with them. No longer was he concerned about asking for food, he can work now. Verse 9. 
all the people saw him walking and they heard him praising God. I mean, he was kind of creating a little bit of a, uh, a stir there. It's just like, what's going on over there? And when they realized he was the lame beggar, I mean, they had seen him hundreds of times. When they realized he was the lame beggar, they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. Wow! Some of them who were not very godly were probably saying, gosh, golly, and stuff like that. See, there was a lot of those guys that were religious people, but no relationship with God. Verse 11 says, They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. It's just like, these men brought me a message from God. And in the name of Jesus, and he wasn't about to turn them loose. He was hanging on for dear life. He had never walked. Now he's walking and leaping and praising God. He's like the other people. He's going into the temple. It says, verse 12, people, uh, Peter saw his opportunity. And do you know, God still heals people today to convince them to listen to the rest of the message. If he can heal the body, he can surely heal the soul. He can forgive your sins and write your name in the book of life. So Peter saw his opportunity, and he addressed the crowd, and he said, People of Israel, he said, what is so surprising about this? What's so surprising about this? And why stare at us as though we had made this man walk by our own power or godliness? For it is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of all our ancestors, who has brought glory to his servant, Jesus. By doing this, he's brought glory to his servant Jesus by healing this man. This is the same Jesus whom you handed over and you rejected before Pilate. Despite Pilate's decision to release him, you rejected, verse 14, you rejected this holy righteous one and instead demanded the release of a murderer. And what was his name? Barabbas. Verse 15, Peter's preaching to these guys who came to, to see the, the man who's healed. You killed the author of life. Well, he let you do it, but you killed the author of life. But God raised him from the dead. Can you imagine? It's like, we kill you. Boom. God goes, no, you don't. We kill you. Oh, no, you don't. I mean, I like that. You kill the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. And we are witnesses of this fact. Verse 16 says, through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed. And you know how crippled he was before. Faith in Jesus' name, the one you killed, that God raised him dead, faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. Limitless power to raise up a man who had never walked and give him the ability not only to, to be healed, but to be able to walk and stand up and, and run and jump. And, oh. Acts chapter 4, verse 1. When Peter and John were speaking to the people, they were confronted by the priest and the captain of the temple guard and some of the Sadducees. The Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection. That's why they were sad, you see. <laughs> These That's true. These leaders were very disturbed. 
the leaders were very disturbed that Peter and John were teaching the people that through Jesus there was a resurrection of the dead. I mean, would you be disturbed if someone that you loved who had had an incurable disease forever and all of a sudden they were healed miraculously? Would that disturb you? Or you go, I got more friends, I'll be right back. But they were disturbed. They were disturbed. These leaders were very disturbed about it. Verse 3 says, they arrested them. These leaders arrested Peter and John. They arrested them, and since it was already evening, they put them in jail until morning for healing this man. But many of the people who heard their message believed it, so the number of the believers now totaled about 5,000 men, not counting their women and children. Wow. Wow. 5,000, probably, probably around 15,000 people had come to trust in Christ. They're hearing, they're seeing what's going on. They're hearing that the name of Jesus can break every chain. The chains of sickness and disease, the chains of sin, the chains of whatever it is, some demonic son. Jesus' name is breaking chains. And although they put them in prison, there's at least 15,000 people who are believing now. It's amazing. Bodies have been healed, lives have been transformed, marriage has been restored, and the, the, the leaders of their nation put them in prison. Verse 5 says, The next day the council of Paul, the rulers and elders and teachers of religious law met in Jerusalem. Ananias the high priest was there along with Caiaphas and John Alexander and other relatives of the high priest. And they brought in the two disciples and demanded, By what power or in whose name have you done this? What a stupid question. They already knew there's 15,000 people out there talking about it. All the religious people, all the, uh, the, 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 the soldiers who had arrested him, they already know whose name he had used. But they asked again. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, he said to them, Rulers and elders of our people. We are being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man. And we spent the night in prison for doing it. Do you want to know how he was healed? Question mark. Well, let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful, what's that word? name of Jesus Christ. The power of his name, it breaks every chain. It heals. It sets free. It transforms. So I said, if you really want to know, he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Limitless power. The Nazarene, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. Verse 11 says, for Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone that his church and his kingdom is built upon. Verse 12, it says, there is salvation in no one else. You cannot get to heaven except through Jesus. I don't care who you are. I don't care what religious background you, you have. I don't care what it is. Jesus said he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father in heaven except through him. And it echoes it right here. There is salvation in no one else, 
God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the Scriptures, and they also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Do people recognize that you are a man or a woman who has been with Jesus? And being with Jesus, see, is what makes the difference. Not just intellectualism, not just degrees and diplomas somewhere, but being with Jesus. Not knowing about Jesus, but knowing Jesus. Verse 14, it says, But since they could see the man who had been healed standing right there among them, there was nothing that the council could say. They wanted to argue and debate it and all, but the guy who they had seen hundreds of times themselves is healed, walking and leaping, even while they were talking, you know. So they couldn't say anything about it. Verse 15 says, So they ordered Peter and John out of the council chamber, and they conferred amongst themselves. What should we do with these men? They asked each other. We can't deny that they have performed a miraculous sign. Doggone it, we want to deny it. I'm sure they swore. We cannot deny it that they have performed a miraculous sign and, and everybody in Jerusalem knows about it. But to keep this from spreading, but to keep them from spreading their propaganda any further, we must warn them not to speak to anyone in Jesus' name again. That's what we'll do. Tell them, don't you dare do that again. <clears throat> verse 18 so they called the apostles back in and commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus don't you say his name don't you spread it around no more you hear us <clears throat> Peter and John didn't have to think about this a long time verse 19 but Peter and John replied do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him we cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. We can't help it. <laughs> the council then threatened them further. Boy, they didn't like it. But they finally let them go because they didn't know how to punish them without starting a riot. For everyone was praising God for this miraculous sign. The healing of a man who had been lame for more than 40 years. Everybody in town knew the man who sat there at the gate begging. Everyone at some point in time of generosity had probably given him something. Forty years he was there. Acts chapter 4, picking up here in verse 29, it says, And now, <clears throat> O Lord, hear their threats. Because they kept preaching in the name of Jesus. They didn't stop. Lives were being changed. God said, do it. And now, the, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your, give us, your servants, great boldness and preach in your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Remember we read last week. Jesus said, the works that I did as he ascended, he said, you're going to do the same works that I did. 
And Jesus said, what? Greater works than I did shall you do because you believe in his name. And right here, we're seeing his disciples doing that very thing. <clears throat> and they're praying here saying, Lord, stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Verse 31 says, after this prayer, the meeting place, it shook. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And then they, all those disciples, preached the word of God with boldness. They were unashamed. Well, if you do that again, we're going to put you in prison. What's the food like down there, you know? After this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. Acts chapter 5, verse 17. The high priest and his officials who were Sadducees, and you know why they were sad, you know. They didn't believe in the resurrection. <clears throat> they were filled with jealousy, and they arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. These guys are getting to know these jails pretty good here. And it says, But the angel of the Lord came at night and opened the gates of the jail and brought them out. And then the angel told them, Go to the temple and give the people this message of life. So at daybreak, the apostles entered the temple as they were told, and immediately they began teaching. And when the high priest and his officials arrived, you know, at their room, they convened the high council, the full assembly of the elders of Israel. And then they sent for the apostles to be brought from the jail for the trial. But when the temple guards went to the jail, the men were gone. So they returned to the council and reported, the jail was securely locked, and the guards were standing right outside, but when we opened the gates, no one was in there. Now, that scared them guards, because if you ever let someone escape, you had to serve their punishment. If it was to be hung, you were hung. If you were crucified, whatever it was, you had to do it if you let somebody escape. So it says, when the, verse 24, when the captain of the temple guard and the leading priests heard this, they were perplexed, wondering where it would all end. I mean, everybody's going to hear about this. This is going to make us look really bad. That's what they're thinking. And then someone arrived with startling news. The men that you put in jail that disappeared, we know where they're at. They're standing in the temple teaching the people. You know you told them not to teach in his name? They're doing it. The captain went with his temple guards and arrested the apostles, but without violence, for they were afraid the people would stone them. Thousands of people's lives were being changed. Then they brought the apostles before the high council where the high priest confronted them. Verse 28, didn't we tell you never again to teach in this man Jesus' name? He demanded, don't you remember when we told you that? Instead, you have filled all Jerusalem with your teaching about him, and you want to make us responsible for his death. But Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than any human authority. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead after you killed him by hanging him on a cross, and then God put him in the place of honor, highest honor, at his right hand as prince and savior. He did this so the people of Israel would repent of their sin and be forgiven. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit 
who is given by God to those who obey him. He gives the Holy Spirit to those who obey him. I'm telling you, limitless power in the name of Jesus Christ to break every chain. I don't care if it's an old chain that you've had bondage in your life for the last 20 or 30 years or if it's something new that you've been bound with in the last year or two or month. His name has the power to break every chain. The conclusion here, God's name is powerful. Do you remember even in the Old Testament before Jesus had come, and you remember all the thousands of God's soldiers were hiding in the, the rocks and all, and Goliath was standing out there on the battlefield, and you take a young lad, just a teenager kind of a guy, with his little slingshot. And he speaks to this giant. He says, you come to me with an awesome sword and a shield and a spear, a trained warrior. But I come to you in the name of God, who you have blasphemed. Prepare to die. Oh, that little prepare to die, he didn't say that part. It must be a movie I saw somewhere or something. But we all know the rest of the story, do we not? He went out there in the name of God. You and I could use the name of Jesus, and it breaks every chain. Now, what is it right now that's binding you? Is it fear? Is it some type of sin? Is it pornography? Is it lust? Is it hate? Is it greed? Is it bitterness? Is it anger? And 10,000 zillion other things, what is binding you? Is it an old chain or is it a new chain? The power in the name of Jesus, it breaks every chain. Let's bow our heads. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ, the name that is above every other name. We come to you in his name alone, not our own. And we come to you, Father. And we surrender ourselves and we ask that you would do in us and through us whatever it is that you want. We trust you. We know that you love us and therefore we trust you with our past, with our present, and with our future and with everything that is dear to us. We surrender. Father, we ask that you would forgive us for any time that we ever, by our words or our actions, have shown disrespect for your name. Please forgive us and cleanse us and help us to <clears throat> demonstrate great respect. Help us to, to bring honor to your name and never do anything that would dishonor your name. We love you, Father, and we thank you that you loved us enough to send us your best, your son, who has washed our sins away. So we come to you this day in his name to receive whatever it is that you have in store for each of us, salvation, forgiveness, grace, and mercy, and all the provisions that we have need of. As our heads are bowed, I would ask you to join me in a little simple prayer to reaffirm our faith in the Almighty, to reaffirm our faith that what Jesus did for us was enough to forgive us and to cleanse us. And if you're here today and you've never welcomed Christ into your life, would you join us as those who know him reaffirm their faith, would you pray with us and welcome him into your life for the very first time? Would you pray with me right now? 
Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe you have a good plan for my life. I believe that's why you sent your son Jesus. I believe he went to the cross for me. And I believe he rose from the dead. And he's offering eternal life and the forgiveness of sin to all who believe and who receive. I believe and I receive. And I welcome you, Jesus, into my life as Savior, as Lord, and as King. I'm sorry for my sinful ways. And I, I ask you for forgiveness. And I will follow you all the days of my life. Help me, Lord, that my words will always edify others and that my actions and my words will always honor you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, folks, we're uh, approaching Christmas. We've been talking about his name today. And you know, this is the time of the year that you and your whole family and your neighborhood, if you want to do, if you organize it, you can go and stand on anybody's front yard with some candles and sing, you know, about Jesus. And everybody will tear up. And they'll invite you in for cookies and hot chocolate. This is one of the most awesome times to be unashamed to speak about his name as the whole world is celebrating his coming, although they have been distracted. You know, if our, our uh, home educators did a fantastic job on Thursday night. If you missed it, you missed it, you know. But they did a great job. But one of the things they talked about is how easy it is for people to get distracted at Christmas, is it not? But we can help be that reminder wherever we find ourselves. And you do it in a loving, gentle kind way just tell people what it's really all about his name Jesus who came to this earth he breaks all the chains he really does so we have great opportunities so I want to challenge you to find opportunity to speak about his name listen if you just now pray to me and you welcome Christ into your life please stop at our uh, connections desk back there we've got a little gift bag it's got a movie in there and, and, and a Bible uh, and I believe some other little things that, that will inspire your faith and, and get better acquainted with Christ. And if you're here as our, a guest for the first time, let them know you're a guest. We'll get another little something to give you. Just a little something to let you know we're glad you came and we hope you come back. And uh, please pick up the tickets for the Christmas service. They're free, but we just try to make sure that we don't have like a thousand people at one service and like ten at another. You know, we try to spread them out. So please pick up some tickets of for your, you and your family and some folks that you'd like to invite. It helps us to plan, you know, for all of the activities that's going to be going on there. If you need some prayer, we're, we're talking about the name of Jesus. We're talking about healing and answering prayers and all. If you need some prayer, there's two things you can do. You can come around to the altar, which we'd love to invite you to, and there's some people here who know how to use the name of Jesus, and they'll pray for you. And God still answers prayer. Or maybe you're here with a believer, and you know they believe, and you can just simply right there say, would you pray for me? You know? You know what? God answers the prayers of believers who go to him, go to the Father in Jesus' name. So if you need some prayer, please don't leave until you had somebody pray with you, okay? God bless you. You are dismissed.